me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good afternoon, good morning, wherever you may be listening to Two Up Front today. We thank you for tuning in. I am Simon Provan, here alone in the Attention Era Media Studios as Baxter Colburn. He'll be back next week, but still doing a great job with uh, the company that he works for. Pushing a documentary called A Billion Lives. You'll have to ask Baxter about that on our social media areas, which I'll talk to you in a second about. But want to thank you for tuning in. Of course, Two Up Front is brought to you by Three Lions Pub in Shorewood, Wisconsin. So happy to have you here. Got a guest later on in the show, Chris, Bakel- Chris Blakely, Vavil USA lead editor for their soccer division. He'll be on the show to talk some MLS playoffs, mainly about his beloved Seattle Sounders as they take on Sporting Kansas City. We'll also be joined by Baxter later in the show as well. But of course, let's talk about where you can find us. You can find us on demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Vavil USA, Sports Podcasting Network, or Spreaker, which of course we also air live on Spreaker every Tuesday and Thursday, noon to 1 p.m. Central. You can also find us on Twitter at 2UpFront. Of course, when he's here, or whether he's not here, he is still at Baxter Colburn on Twitter, and I am at Simon Provan. You can always find us on our Facebook page there as well. If you want to listen to the weekly round of shows that we've done, make sure you check out our webpage, 2UpFrontSoccer.com. And, of course, you can always email us at 2UpFrontSoccer at gmail.com. So hopefully you followed all of that, but let's do kick off the show. So, of course... You've got me for the next 60 minutes, at least for the next 10. I want to spend some time, what we call with, the kick around. First of all, let's jump across the pond. We don't do that often on the show, but we certainly need to today. Manchester United finally getting a win over Manchester City in the EFL Cup. This was a much-needed win for Manchester United and, of course, Jose Mourinho. Only his fourth victory over Pep. 1-0. Mata getting the score, uh, getting that goal in that game. Big, big thing for uh, United to be able to get this victory. However, for City, yes, they're leading the Premier League. At the same time, they're on a six-game winless streak. So little pockets of disturbance, you could say, over at Manchester City. But I don't think it's that much to worry about. This is the League Cup. Yes, Manchester City was the defending champs. But let's be honest, 
not a lot of importance is put on the League Cup. It's great if you can win it, especially for those clubs that just desperately need some type of hardware, and you can say that Manchester United is one of those clubs. Nevertheless, City dropped that game to Manchester United. Now let's also say that City didn't have their A team out there. Kind of a B, B-plus team. Many people thought that Manchester City may still go out there and, and win this game. Nevertheless, Manchester United won 0, and now I'm going to stop saying nevertheless. I want to jump back on this side of the pond real quick. Something that has been covered a whole heck of a lot, but Harvard, the Ivy League school, came out. Men's soccer team, a little bit of trouble, as well as they should be. Apparently there was a document going around in 2012 in which the men's soccer team was doing their own scouting report of the women's soccer team. You can imagine where this is going with college students. A lot of uh, this was centered around the looks of the women's soccer players, so not a cool thing at all. Uh, there were other. There was one player who really started this, and then other teammates started to weigh in. And they actually put this in writing and passed it around to each other. Apparently it was a nine-page document. So Harvard, of course, comes out as well as they should, talking about that they have a zero-tolerance policy for behavior of this kind and is deeply upset by these offensive and derogatory remarks. Chris Hamblin, coach of the women's soccer team, also chimed in. And I love what he had to say here. First and foremost, my women's soccer team is full of outstanding student-athletes and are, above all else, incredible human beings. The information contained in this document from 2012 is unacceptable, and I'm sad to see this level of disrespect shown to these women. Now, this was only the 2012 report that came out. Apparently, there have been other practices like this with the men's soccer team. The, uh, the, the coach that is there now was first hired in 2013, so he wasn't part of this practice. And he did come out and say, you know, he wants everybody to know that, first of all, this is ridiculous, It's that he's shocked and disgusted by this document, uh, but also that he does want people to know, as well as uh, Chris Hamblin, again, the coach of the women's side, did come out and say, look, we've got a we've got a great relationship, a strong rapport with each other's team, so you certainly hope that this isn't a continued practice, but will not be surprised if we do see some type of punishment for Harvard's men's soccer team. Moving on, let's talk USL, NASL. Big news this week. If you haven't heard it already and you are a U.S. soccer fan in any sort, don't know where you've been, but comes out that the Tampa Bay Rowdies and the Ottawa Fury dropping out of the NASL and moving down to the USL. This could be significant for the NASL. They're already in trouble with the number of teams that they are lacking they want to apply someday for Division One status, the NASL, that is. Of course, they're Division Two right now, and USL has put in an application for Division Two status within the U.S. soccer pyramid. Now, I know many people will say, hey, there's no such thing as a soccer pyramid. There's no promotion relegation. I'm going to push that aside for now. Fact of the matter is there, the USL is looking to go Division Two. Of course, getting these teams out of the NASL, dropping down to the USL, I think that sends a big signal to all the U.S. soccer fans out there and what might be going on with the NASL. Listening to a different show this morning, there's perhaps bigger ramifications with this yet. Word is that the New York Cosmos are calling, I guess, what you could consider a bit of an, an emergency board meeting. Rumors are that one of the things they're going to discuss is which league 
do we want to be in? Do we want to stay in the NASL, go with the tradition of the uh, first edition of the New York Cosmos being in the first edition of the NASL? You know they're not going to go to MLS. Look, in the early days, Don Garber had talked to Cosmos, and, and basically they had said, you know what, we don't, we don't want anything to do with MLS. You guys have a salary cap. You have a, uh, a system in which you have all these rules that are a bit archaic, which, hey, I agree with them on that one. I mean, to, uh, to be able to follow all the MLS rules, you really got to know it well. Uh, so the New York Cosmos basically said no thanks. And, of course, we had the USSF Division II League for a year in which the NASL and USL couldn't agree on, on who should be what. Uh, there was infighting with teams, so U.S. Soccer stepped in and said, hey, for one season, we're going to run Division II soccer in this country. That happened, and then, of course, the next year we, we saw that there was the split with the USL where USL said, you know what, we'll go to Division Three." made their agreement with MLS, so of course there's a lot of MLS reserve teams in the league, but there's still plenty of of teams that are owned by their own ownership. And the NASL said, well, we've got our teams, we're going to stick with this Division Two status, and on top of that, someday we want to compete with MLS. Well, here's the thing, if NASL now loses the New York Cosmos as well, I hate to say it, but that may be the death knell for the second version of the NASL. Uh, going back, sorry to the Garber Cosmos thing that, uh, you know, someday we got to chime in. we got to check in with Peter Wilt on all this because I know there's probably more behind it than what was on the surface, what was being reported. But it basically came down, came down to Cosmos wouldn't sell, didn't want their merchandise to be sold by MLS. That was part of the deal. Uh, they wanted to be in a league that had more of an open system. Again, not promotion relegation, but how much they could spend on which players they could go after, etc., etc. So they said, no thanks, we're not going to do the MLS thing. So MLS said, fine, and they've moved on with the Cosmos, moved on without the Cosmos, I guess is what I should say. Whatever the case may be, then NASL comes around and says, hey, you know what? We want to someday be the top league. We want to compete with MLS for that Division One status. So there's a lot of people listening to other shows this morning talking about how they want the Cosmos in MLS. They think it's, they think it's ridiculous that MLS has teams coming up from the NASL because, of course, NASL is also going to lose Minnesota United. But here's the thing. Here's what i got to say. If you're coming out and saying, look... We want to compete with MLS, and then the fans are coming out and saying, this is wrong, MLS seems to be trying to drive the NASL out of business. Well, I hate to say it, but NASL has made that bed. They've said they want to compete with the MLS. And, of course, MLS is going to come out and try to not let that happen. Now, listen, I understand there is a lot more gray areas in this argument. It's not as black and white as I'm making it sound. But on this particular point, in and of itself, if the NASL is going to come out if anybody in any business says, hey, I'm, I'm going to compete with them. Look, it's, it's no wonder that McDonald's and Burger King for years have been going at it, trying to drive the other out of business while also trying to increase their own profits. Right? These are two companies when it gets down to it. So if NASL comes out and says, we want to be the Division I league in this country, MLS is going to do everything they can to not allow that to happen, especially with all the work that MLS has put into the last 20 years of growing this league. Just my two cents. A few of you are probably looking at that saying, nope, Simon, you've got that one wrong. But that's where we stand. We shall see what happens in the future here with the NASL and the USL. Either way, I appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for listening to me for the last 10 minutes in our kick around. 
When we come back, I'm going to see if I can get Baxter Colburn on the phone, talk a little bit about what we saw last night. You are listening to Two Up Front, presented to you by Three Lions Pub, here from the Attention Era Media Studios. Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub here at the Attention Era Media Studios. It's time to turn our attention to MLS and the games from last night. Of course, TFC taking on Philadelphia Union, LA, of course, in their big game as well. But as I said, it's it's nice when, even though he can't be here in the studio physically, that we can still get him on the phone. Baxter Colburn, welcome back to the show, my friend. I'm only on four hours of sleep, Simon, but even that pun was pretty low for you, let's be honest. <laughs> Very good. Four hours of sleep. Which You're out in L.A., is that correct? I, for the next couple of hours, I still am, yes. Um, we had our premiere last night of A Billion Lives, a documentary that Attention Air Media produced uh, in L.A. And, and Hollywood. It was a great time, but very exhausting. It's not... Everybody thinks, oh, you're in Hollywood, you can relax and have fun. Well, you actually have to be the worker to help make the event move, so... Didn't eat a lot, didn't drink a lot, but uh, had a lot of fun, but definitely had to, to work. But I'm excited to get back to Milwaukee soon, hopefully. <laughs> well, we're excited to get you back here too, Baxter. I've been doing okay. As we talked about, the studio hasn't burned down. I'm getting better at really? uh, you know mixing in music and going to the breaks and saying our sponsors when I'm supposed to say them. Uh, but it'll be nice to be the one on the other side of the table, so can't wait yeah. to get you back here. <laughs> no worries. I'm excited to come back too. A couple more days, a couple more days. All right, Baxter. Well, let's get to it. I, you know, unfortunately for you, you, you didn't get down to the uh, L.A. game oh, last I night. Wanted to. <laughs> I, wanted to. I actually did see one fan in Hollywood wearing a Galaxy shirt, and I was like, oh, my gosh. What's the, what are the odds? I was so happy. Well, didn't you go up to him and scold him for not being at the game? Well, it was it was early before the premiere. <laughs> okay. Well, on, I, uh, I, was, I was walking by him. I'm like, hey, I love your shirt. He's like, oh, thanks. Excellent, excellent. Good. Well, let, let's talk about that L.A. game. I know you probably didn't get to see much of it. Maybe you uh, got to peek in on the highlights or so, but one name from last night, Boateng. 
scores two goals. Yeah. You know, he steps in for Giassi's artist who still injured. Uh, listen, I had picked RSL for this game because I knew there wasn't going to be a Zardes. I knew there wasn't going to be a Keane, a Gerard, And I thought... RSL can take advantage of this, but my goodness, Baxter, I, I had to send out a tweet last night uh, referencing Pulp Fiction, you know, where Samuel Jackson talks about a, a quarter pounder with cheese being known as a uh, Royale with cheese. <laughs> I, I had to say that that was the defense of RSL. They were the Royals avec cheese because there were so many holes in that defense last night. I was just about to say, I mean, it's been a long time since we've really spoken about the elite defense of RSL, but it's it's definitely not the same club it used to be defensively. I mean, yeah, they've got Yao Plata on offense and, you know, Brito Martinez and a lot of these other guys too. But, yeah, you, you give up three goals. I mean, L.A. last night, I know it was one game and I know it was against a semi-depleted RSL team, but this wasn't even a full-strength, you know, L.A. Galaxy team, as you mentioned, Simon, which, which kind of should terrify some people in the Western Conference. Yeah, I, I think so. That That's a great point. Or, you know, the other way to look at it is, is RSL just that bad i mean their their players were exactly. not commuting not communicating well at all last night which is so surprising when you're talking about a Justin Glad in the back line who's had an outstanding season yeah. Nick, Nick Ramondo who you know has he just has he done that thing that you see from so many goalkeepers where they're so strong so strong so strong and it seems like in an instant they're done it might be that. I mean, you'd like to think better of Nick Romano because he's obviously been such a, a class goalkeeper in MLS for so long, but you know, maybe we are finally starting to get to that time where his, uh, his, his his playing career life might be coming to an end sooner rather than he thought it might. Yeah, you certainly hope not, but, but let's face it, when you got guys like Ethan Horvath pushing you for that number three spot now, it, it, it may be time. It may be time to say, hey, Nick Romano, you know, thanks for all you've done for U.S. soccer. But this is it, you know. You got to wonder at what point. Yeah, at what point exactly. does does RSL now turn and say we got to start finding a young goalkeeper to take his place? Exactly. Yeah, Nick Romano has been so consistent and so reliable for for seasons on seasons for RSL. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know who might be the uh, the changing of the guard there for RSL over the next maybe two seasons. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, Baxter, let's let's switch our focus and turn to TFC Philadelphia. Identical score last night in their game yeah. uh, to the LA Galaxy, three to one. I think the thing I took away from this, which was pretty great, is the three top scorers for TFC all scored last night. You know, Javinko comes back from injury, scores a, a great goal, sliding in and, and able to get his foot on that ball off of a uh, Josie Altador flick over his head. Then, of course, Altador comes through and scores a goal, and Osario finishes it off with uh, with those three goals. And, you know, Bedoya gets a goal in there for Philadelphia Union, kind of a... Um, Definitely one of those right place, right time issues for him. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I wasn't surprised at all by the scoreline. Um, no, I wasn't as surprised either. And you and I had mentioned this, I think, on the last show, that Philadelphia has really just kind of crashed and burned the last month, month and a half after being so strong to start the season. I mean, people were raving about the Philadelphia. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this could be Philadelphia's year. They're really starting to put it together. And, and they kind of fall flat on their face the last month and a half of the season. And, I mean, realistically, TFC, when they're all on, they're probably one of the best teams in the league, and I think they proved that last night. They were able to take advantage of a Philadelphia team that, that really can't do much. And, I mean, for everybody that's a Union fan out there that was like, look, Bedoya was going to be the answer. Well, he obviously wasn't. Well, that's, an, that's, they, 
It's been, a, it's been a short, you know, sample size, though, too, so you can't judge too fully yet. No, but it, it is interesting. Just a quick clarification. I had the uh, Altador Osario goes flipped. Osario scored the second goal. Uh, okay. Altador iced the game. Uh, but it is interesting, Baxter. Listen, when Bedoya came to the league, I thought it was a great move. You weren't too sure about it. But I don't think it's coincidence, Baxter, that Philadelphia has not looked as well as they did in the beginning of the year at the same time that Bedoya came in. It is, yeah. I mean, how many times have we seen U.S. national team fans kind of complain about that, too, when Bedoya is on and off the field? It's like, oh, the the ball moves a lot more flowing and smoothly when Bedoya is kind of off the field, but when he comes on, it's almost a little bit more stale and stagnant with how the play is sometimes when he's the man commanding the ball in the middle. Yeah, absolutely, but uh, definitely a historic night in Toronto. Took 10 years, Baxter, but TFC finally wins their first playoff game, and they do it in convincing fashion. You know, you talk about L.A. maybe being the team out of the West that could surprise everybody. TFC, look, I'm a big fan of the Red Bulls with the way that they're playing, but if TFC can continue this kind of play, watch out New York City and watch out New York Red Bulls. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think regardless of what uh, New York team TFC goes against, that's going to be a cracking fixture that anybody should watch. You know, it's going to be a two-legged series, obviously, which will make it for, for more entertainment, but I think that that's going to be the, the series to watch for sure in the Eastern Conference, and maybe the playoffs until hopefully the, both New York teams face each other in the, uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing, too, we we got to make sure that we credit the – Defense of Toronto FC, Drew Moore, Eric Zavaleta, Nick Haglund, uh, outstanding there in the back. Justin, uh, well, Justin Morrow is a a midfielder, but but really strong play in the back. You know, that that Padoya goal, as I said, ended up being a a right place, right time. But the team overall, all over the place for TFC, I'm telling you, Baxter, (laughs) if if we only had these four teams left in the playoffs, that that L.A. TFC final right now, would I, I think, would be an exciting one. Oh, absolutely. I think that would be a lot of fun to to watch. I mean, now that Giovinco's back, I mean, that that right there raises a lot of eyebrows for so many people. And the fact that Alphador, surprisingly, is staying kind of consistent, which is a surprising anomaly within itself. I mean, that if you've got Juvinko and Josie Alphador running at you for 90 minutes, not many teams in MLS can, can combat that successfully. Absolutely. All right, Baxter, let's uh, let's do a little bit of preview. Of course, we're going to have Chris Blakely on, and he's really going to dig deep in yeah. that uh, Seattle sporting game. But let's do talk about this D.C. United-Montreal game. Uh, a kind of a, uh, I, I got to tell you, it's I think MLS soccer says it right. It's a clash of contrasting identities. That, that's exactly what this game is, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Montreal thought that they were going to be, you know, maybe the best team in Canada this year, or even in, you know, the Eastern Conference, and uh, as, as a lot, as even Philadelphia did, too. They started off the season really strong, and people were really jumping on board. I mean, Drogba was playing well. Fiatti, of course, was taking over everybody, but Montreal, again, similar to Philadelphia, kind of fallen on their face the last month, month and a half, and D.C. United on the flip side is, you know, whatever fire was lit by Ben Olsen, you know, under Patrick Mullins and Nayarko, and, you know, Acosta and everybody, like, this D.C. United team could really be your, if you're looking for your Cinderella story, I think D.C. United could be that team. If you're looking to cheer for the, the underdog that's not as big and flashy, uh, I, would, I would fully get on board with D.C. United. I think it would be fun to see uh, a non, uh, non-normal team of, of recent uh, you know, make, uh, make a deep run. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is it is mind boggling that you know you got a player on the team talking about Montreal here and Simon. I mean, he played in the Euros in 2016. Yeah. You got Piatti, who's a legend, a legend in his own right. 
even yeah. even with just two thirds of that spine being those two players, you would expect Montreal to be playing well. You know, one thing you have to ask is what we've seen the attitude from DDA Drogba here in the last part of the season. Is he maybe more of a cancer in that locker room than than we realize? It's ridiculous. Uh, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it is. And what's you know what's sad about it, Baxter, is we've heard so many great things about Drogba off the soccer field. You know, he he's basically been been the one given credit for stopping the civil war in the Ivory Coast. You know, and and you see all yeah. the great things that he does with kids in Montreal. You see that he shows up at academy games for the Impact. So all the off the field stuff he does, you you sit there and go. So what happened? And I think I think the same argument could probably be made about Kai Kamara too. I mean, think about you know Kai Kamara and everything he does off the field for the for the community and for his home nation and everything as well. And then you saw what kind of happened in Columbus. And I know he's you know assimilated fairly well to New England, but I think he and Drogba this season especially have kind of had that falling out in terms of you know how good they used to be and not to where they are now. But I. I, I it's so hard because, you know, when Drogba is on the field, obviously your team can pretty much be, you know, instantly better. But I have not been impressed at all with, number one, how Drogba has acted off the field, but number two, how he's acting when he's been on the field. He hasn't really been producing at a higher level that we know he's capable of doing. So that that has really ended up hurting Montreal, I think, in the long run. Yeah, the one thing you do wonder, can Montreal use this? Uh, similar to the way Seattle has used not being able to have Dempsey on the field, you know they've they've used that as awesome motivation. The Sounders have. Uh, we'll see if the impact does as well. But speaking of the Sounders, Baxter got just about a minute here. Let's uh, let's quickly talk Seattle and Sporting K- KC, and of course we're going to try to bring you on for the last segment of the show as well. But but your thoughts, real quick, on Seattle Sporting? Yeah, I, I think Seattle definitely has the edge in this one. Um, Sporting on paper may have the names, but Seattle, I think, has the heart and the the true tenacity when it when it boils down to it. At the end of the day, uh, like I mean, Seattle has has really been able to find themselves the last two months. I mean, this is a team back in the early part of July that was, I think, second or third worst in all of MLS, and now they've you know rocketed up the Western Conference standings and are actually in the playoffs. Which I know six teams get in, which you know you and I you know have our thoughts and feelings about. Right. But <laughs> I, but, but still, though, I mean, you have if you're if you're a general soccer fan and you actually don't mind Seattle, you have to be fairly impressed with what they've done with the situation that they were in, you know, losing their manager, losing Clint Dempsey. I think all hats have to be you know off to Seattle, and I mean, I think that they deserve to win this game because Sporting, in my opinion, has done nothing this year for me to warrant to back them up and say, you know what, this is a good Sporting team. I, I just don't believe that this year. Yeah, those are great points, Baxter. We're going to run to a break. Don't get off the phone just yet. I want to talk to you off air. Uh, you are <laughs> So don't say goodbye yet. I mean, unless you're driving or something, then call me when you're done driving. Otherwise, hang tight for just a minute. Uh, for the rest of you, once again, you are listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub.
Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub here at the Attention Era Media Studios. Well, Baxter had to get going. We're going to try to get him back here in the uh, final segment of the show. But as you heard him say, he is running around L.A. trying to get out of there. (laughs) If you've ever been to L.A., you know what that can be like. Anyways, want to jump over to the, uh, let's see here. I want to jump over to the NWSL and talk a little bit about their waiver line. Only one player picked up. Actually, be- before I jump into that, i got to mention, sh- uh, folks, that uh, we're going to have a great guest with us next Tuesday, Stephanie Verdoya out of the Boston Breakers. She recently re-si- re-signed with the Breakers, so we're going to be excited to definitely have her back on the show. But jumping over to the NWSL, only one player picked up on the uh, re-entry wire, which was a bit surprising, uh, Sinead Fairley. She was with the Boston Breakers, who, again, we will have a Boston Breaker on our show next week. Uh, But she has been picked up by the Seattle Reign FC. So we'll see how she does over there in Seattle. But I do have to say, one of the names I was surprised to see, first of all, on the wireless period, and there may be more to this than than I know, but Ellie Brush from the Houston Dash played 15 games this season, uh, Australian player. We've actually had her on the show. She's a fantastic defender. First of all, I was shocked to see her on the waiver line. Now, again, there could have been uh, some things going on there that we have not been made aware of. But at the same time that she didn't get picked up by a team, I certainly hope there's more to it. Not personally, not personally at all. I just I think she's a very strong defender. And knowing that she was sitting there in the reentry wire and nobody picked her up was a bit surprising to me. She's played 15 games on the season. As I said, strong player, intelligent player, smart player. She's played in the Australian W League as well. Obviously, has spent time over here in the NWSL. So I got to believe it's not the end for Ellie Brush. But, of course, who am I to say I'm not the man in charge? Switching gears now from the NWSL over to the MLS couple of news items coming out of Houston and Vancouver, and it centers around coaches. All centers around coaches in this segment, well, in this part of the segment. Houston Dynamo announcing that they will not bring on Wade Barrett as their head coach. Of course, he was the interim for, uh, well, about 20 games or so. In fact, his record with the Dynamo was really abysmal, 4-7-11. and 11. I know he was trying out different things. But he was just never able to get a team together that could put in, well, let's face it, a full 90 minutes. Uh, he had, you know, some good players on the team. Of course, DeMarcus Beasley being one of them. Uh, just many other players out there. And Barrett is, uh, has been told, sorry, buddy, we're going to let you go. He, of course, replaced former coach Owen Coyle, who came over from England. Um, Barrett's one of those younger guys. Is this the end for him in MLS? I wouldn't say it's the end, but I'd be surprised if he was picked up by another club at some point uh, here in the next couple of years as a head coach. I could see him going on perhaps being an assistant or maybe coaching an academy team or perhaps coaching in the USL. Uh, But Chris Canetti, president there down in Houston, had said, we're not really making this about Wade or what he did or what he didn't do. This is about where we at where we're at as a club and what we want to do going forward. It's a timing thing. Well, that's all sounds pretty and everything, but you got to believe it comes down to Wade Barrett and the record that he had. Of course, Barrett played with the Dynamo, 
winning MLS Cup titles in 2006, 2007. He was also captain of the team as a left back. Uh, so he's he's been in the Dynamo family for quite a while. So I know there are some fans out there that are disappointed, but I think there are actually a lot more fans out there that are happy with this move. Speaking of the USL, that is actually who the Dynamo brought on as their head coach, former now head coach of the Rio Grande Valley FC, is Wilmer Cabrera. So Wilmer takes on the Dynamo, and of course, he did spend some time as a head coach in MLS back with the old Chivas USA, the 2014 season, and of course... Chivas got shut down that year, so Wilmer was like, uh, can I have a job somewhere? So Dynamo brought him on to coach their reserve team in the USL, and now Cabrera is the head coach of the Houston Dynamo. We'll, we'll see how he does. He did okay, I guess you could say, with Chivas USA. They didn't have a great record, but that whole organization was a mess, so you can't put too much stock into that single season that he had with Chivas USA. Still, I think you'd be a bit surprised that after letting go Barrett, they'd want to find a bigger name out there. But perhaps it's like a Bob Bradley situation with Swansea where he just gave a great interview. Moving on, jumping over to a coach who has been retained, not let go, but retained, is Carl Robinson of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Robinson's been doing a great job with them. Of course, yeah, they didn't make the playoffs today, but he said... Today, the White President, the Whitecaps FC President Bob Lendazuri, Leonard, Leonard Zuri, had said, "Listen, 2017 started as soon as the final whistle blew on Sunday." Now, I don't think that's anything uh, mind-shattering. I think every club feels that way when that final whistle blows in the final game. The new season has started, but Robinson, this is pretty significant. Assigned now through 2020, he has led this team to three different playoff seasons uh, so he knows what he's doing he has a vision as the club says that that he wants to keep moving forward he still sees this team as something that he can build upon look the Whitecaps had a disappointing year but overall when you look at Carl Robinson's record with them um, he's done a really good job so so I think this is a signing that makes a ton of sense so congratulations to Carl Robinson Folks, it's been a good time here. We're not through yet. We're going to uh, head to another break here. Bring on Vavil USA editor, lead editor, that is, Mr. Chris Blakely. We'll do that in the next segment. First, though, let's go ahead and take a break. You are listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub, coming to you from the Attention Era Media Studios.
You are listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub here at the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Of course, I mentioned the Three Lines Pub, and my friends, you do got to know it is a great place to go to any day of the week, but especially when there is English Premier League football being played. And uh, they've got some awesome featured games going on every week. This week, you've got, uh, just making sure here, I've got the right date. Yes, Tottenham taking on Leicester Saturday at 10 a.m. at Three Lions Pub, and as well as their sister pub, Red Lion Pub. So make sure you check them out again. That is Tottenham taking on Leicester Saturday at 10 a.m. If you want a great experience, if you want some great pub, uh, great pub experience, some great pub fare, and, of course, some great beer, make sure you head out to Three Lions Pub or the Red Lion Pub here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All right, moving on with the show. We've had a fun one so far. Obviously, just got off the phone a little while ago with Baxter Colburn. Excited to bring on a guest who we've had on in the past. It's been way too long, of course. So we welcome back to the show Mr. Chris Blakely, editor of Vavil USA. Lead editor, that is. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Like you said, it's been way too long. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We we got to make sure this happens more often, Chris. <laughs> well, you, you know, I uh, I guess technically the last time you guys had me on was when uh, the Sounders were going through their turmoil. So maybe it was a good thing you waited until they actually made the playoffs. <laughs> well, I, I got to say, you know, I've become more mature in my fandom, Chris. Of course, you're a Seattle supporter. I'm a Portland supporter. But, you know, I used to have this rule about not even saying the Seattle Sounders name. But... I've got a newfound respect for them, especially because of the turmoils that you talk about, and then Clint Dempsey going out, uh, them taking the, making the bold move of uh, bold move of getting rid of uh, Ziggy, and now they're on a tear, man. What can you say? I think Nicholas Ladero and Alonzo have just been uh, outstanding for them. Yeah, no, that's uh, you're 100 percent right. They Ladero, you know, I will be completely honest. I'm not going to act like I watch a lot of uh, South American soccer. Uh, I didn't know much about him. I found out what I could find on YouTube. I was like, okay, this, this kid, well, young man, I should say, uh, great soccer player. Then actually getting to watch him in person his first game, I was just blown away. And he's been, I mean, you play in 13 games of the team's 14 games since he arrived. You score three goals, eight assists. I mean, you became the team's leading assist maker in 13 games. That's just incredible. Um, he clearly, obviously, opens up the field for everybody else. Uh, Osvaldo Alonso, uh, it's nice to see him have a back, uh, bounce back here. After the last two years, he just been absolutely, uh, had not been the honey badger as everybody likes to call him. You know, just basically he doesn't give a crap and takes her, you know, does his thing and he's, he's looking really well. And Schmetzer's done a really good job of, uh, pairing Christian, uh, roll down with him and those two just really work well together. And, uh, even when they slot, uh, he slides. Uh, excuse me, slots uh, Eric uh, Freeberg back there with him. It still plays well. I mean, it's it's nice to see Ozzy doing what uh, Ozzy does. And honestly, at this point, as I mentioned, you know, the last fourteen game, you know, it's been fourteen games since they fired uh, Ziggy, and you know, the Sounders are eight, two, and four. I mean, they're the hottest team entering the playoffs outside of New York Red Bulls, who who went eight, zero, oh, and six. So I mean. Right now, maybe outside L.A., Seattle's probably not a team you want to play, well, at I, least in the West. Yeah, i got to tell you, I, I have them going in my bracket at least to the uh, conference semifinals. 
Our con- sorry, conference final. I've got them going to my conference final. I'd have to pull my bracket back up, but I, I agree with you. They're, they are just so hot. They're a dangerous team. Uh, strong in the back, too. I mean, one player that... Uh, now, you watch them much more than I do, but the one player that I feel has been very consistent is Chad Marshall. Am I right about that, oh, or am I wrong? Sure. You know, no, no. You're, you're, you're right. I mean, he's been Mr. Consistent. You know, this is his third year here. Uh, you know, he came in 2014, helped us, you know, anchor that back line that helped win the Sounders, their first ever supporter shield. Uh, a lot of it, I mean, yes, he's been great all year, but he's gotten even better with, uh, Roman Torres coming back from his ACL injury. Um, the two of them in the back, it's just literally, it's a brick wall. I mean, uh, I was actually at the game this past Sunday against Real Salt Lake and I was pretty close to the field and I forgot how big Torres is the dude's huge. So I mean, you got Chad Marshall and Rowan back there. If I'm a forward, I'm not going between those two guys. They scare the crap out of me. They're big. They're and they're they're two of the best center backs in the league. Even though they're both over thirty now. Well, and, and then you you add to that, at least Marshall, he knows how to get forward and score goals too. I mean, he's a, he's a danger all over the field. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's great on set pieces. Uh, I believe he had uh, two, three goals this year. I don't know. Four. Really my head. He's got four goals this year. Oh, four. Yeah. Four. See, I missed two of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know his last one came against the Chicago Fire. So um, okay, so maybe that one he, doesn't count. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, and you know what, Roman uh, Torres has come. You know he's very dangerous on set pieces as well. Uh, in his what is I'd say ten, fourteen games he's played since he was signed last year. Obviously, he missed a full year dealing with an ACL injury. Uh, he's yet to score, but he's come really close and, and actually if you go back and look at the replay of Roland's goal uh, against RSL this past weekend Seattle's second final goal that ball was sent in from the corner by Ladero Torres got up I mean a powerful header that Ramondo was able to parry away unfortunately he parried it off of the face of Luke Mulho- uh, Mulholland and then Roldan was there to pounce but uh, if those two in the box on set pieces on the offensive end, that's got to scare teams. I mean, I don't know how you stop those two. They're both really good in the air. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're kind of segueing our way into that. Give us a preview, Chris, uh, of what you see in the Seattle Sporting Kansas City game that we're going to see tonight. A very physical team. It's going to be very physical. Uh, Sporting Kansas City is unfair. Is it me or may not be? They they're known to be a little physical and kind of like the. I hate to use the word hack, but it is what it is. I mean, sometimes they like to hack players. I mean, all teams do it. I'm not going to just say it's them. I'm not calling them dirty or anything like that. Um, that midfield battle is going to be crucial. Um, obviously, with uh, as I mentioned earlier, with uh, Alonzo and Roldan, they're going to both be key. Um, you know, it's also going to whoever is. The Sounders like to play that four-two-three-one. Ladero and whoever else are on the wings, they're going to have to make sure they drop back and play defense, which hasn't been an issue since Schmetzer's taken over. He's made them all accountable. You know, if you're, I don't care if you're a forward, you still got to come back and play defense. Um, I think the big key in this game, though, is going to be as crazy as a sound as the official. Uh, you know, fact, he's going to have to take control of the game early. He's going to he's going to have to protect the players. I wouldn't. You know, within the first 10, 15 minutes, there's a few hard fouls. If there's no yellow cards, it's going to be like that all night long, and it's going to get chippy. But if he takes control of the game early on, show the players saying, hey, I'm not going to allow this, then maybe the game will kind of, you know, even out and 
which would be better for the Sounders. Um, they've never been really good when they play overly physical teams. So if they're able to, I guess, have a little assistance from the referee and keeping it a little even tilled, they might, you know they should have no problem. But honestly, the Sounders they're ten five and two at home this year, five zero and two since Schmetzer took over. That's zero losses in those seven games. On the flip side, uh, Sporting's three nine and five on the road. Granted, one of their three wins did come in the season opener and their one nothing win. So, honestly, you know, who knows what's going to happen? The Senators, you know, they definitely can score goals now. Uh, twenty four in their last fourteen games compared to twenty in their first twenty. Uh, I mean, they're a much better team. Obviously, the addition of Madero has sparked their offense. They still struggle to score though, uh, or to finish. Excuse me. Um, yeah, that's 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 Jordan been one Morris. of the that's been one of the surprising things for me uh, with Jordan Morris as of late not being able to uh, really finish like you'd expect him to. I mean, there's there's been a couple of sitters where Jordan Morris, you could even say six weeks ago, would have nailed those. So it, it, that that to me would be the biggest concern for sporting or not for uh, sporting for Seattle right now. Well, you know, he's been kind of. It's funny you say that because I was just thinking about that. You know, earlier in the year, the poor guy couldn't buy a goal. Then he scored against Philly. Then, you know, that began a run of uh, four games in a row. Then he went on a cold streak. But Daryl came, and then, boom, started scoring left and right. He scored that brace against LA Galaxy to lead the Sounders with their first win in LA since 2009. Um, scored that wonderful header against Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, now, granted, he's missed a lot of open goals. Um, actually, Schmitz's first game as interim head coach. Uh, Right there, pretty much at the end of the game, he was the ball was put on a platter for him, and he put it just over the crossbar. Uh, the first game against the Portland Timbers, which I'm sure you remember, was probably within the first 20 minutes of the game. He was wide open in front of the net. There was nobody there. Right. And instead of trying to tap it in with his left, he went with his right, and he shanked the ball to the far right post. So, I mean, he's gotten better. <laughs> um I mean, 12 goals, I mean, that's nothing to... No, not at all, not at all, right, right. But he could easily have close to 20, that's the crazy thing. Exactly, yeah, you know, you just... You just wonder, you know, what what does that mean for the game? And you know, on the flip side, you also have a player in Sporting Kansas City, of course, Dominic Dwyer, who he seems to have been scoring goals in bunches. He hasn't been really been consistent. I every time I look up the stat, I'm shocked that he has 16 goals on the season. Uh, I just, Chris, I don't see Sporting Kansas City doing much in this game, especially when you're talking about a very well organized backline for Seattle. You know. Uh Wow, I didn't, you know, like I said, I didn't even realize he had 16 goals. Exactly, right. <laughs> That's kind of a shock. Um, uh, you know, he's, you're right, he's, he's a very streaky player. Um, he's a great player. So, I mean, still Torres and Marshall, they're going to have to be on their toes. Um, none of the Sounders players can be caught ball watching. That's actually what kind of did him in on that goal against uh, RSL last week. Um, but, you know, I personally... I'm expecting a close battle, a uh, close, you know, defensively, you know, hard-fought defensively game, uh, defensive game, excuse me. Uh, typically, when these two teams play together or play against each other, it's uh, one nothing, one one, two one, you know, so forth. The exception of the role being that July 24th game where they won three to nothing. So, um, I would ex- I, way I have it going out is it's actually going to going to be the first game in the playoffs. Well, unless the uh, D.C. Montreal game goes 
uh, extra time. But I have the Sounders winning two to one in extra time. All right, I was, I was just going to ask you your score, and I, I got to let you go here in about thirty seconds. But what do you think about the DC Montreal game? I don't. <clears throat> excuse me. I, I'm going to give that to DC. I mean, they're nine four and four at home. Montreal's four six and seven on the road. Uh, last five. DC's four one and zero. Montreal's two two and one. DC sat ten of their starters against uh, Orlando, so they're fully rested. Uh, I just think DC is a much better team than Montreal. And who knows? Is Drogba going to actually play, or is he going to whine because <laughs> he's not on the start? You know, he's not in the starting eleven. Right. That's the big question. Of course, he's come out and said, <laughs> "No, no, no I'll do what I can for the team." Uh, Chris, I do got to let you go, but hey, man, I got to congratulate you. You were back on the show. I wish I could pull the audio. I can't. But uh, when you co-hosted the show and I was gone with Baxter. July 27th, you had said the Sounders would make the playoffs when everybody, including myself, were saying, man, these, these guys are fried. Pun completely intended, by the way. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, no, you know, I just had that feeling, and uh, I told a lot of guys that I work with and, and, and write with that it was going to happen. They thought I was all crazy, and it looks like I was right. Uh, it happened very often. So. <laughs> hey, I'm a husband and a father. I know the feeling. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, I got to let you go, my friend. But thanks again for your insight. That was uh, Chris Blakely, lead editor of Vevel USA, talking to us on the shopfutsal.com dot com call in line. Chris, you have yourself a great one. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll do. Hopefully, uh, after Sounders on the MLS Cup. There we go. All right, we are going to take a break. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, sitting in the Attention Era Media Studios. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We certainly appreciate your support. You can listen to 
all of our shows if you head over to Spreaker.com and search two up front. But I'll tell you what, you can if, if what you really want to do is listen to the last two shows that we've done from the last week, just head over to our webpage. Simple place to find us. That is www.twoupfront.com. Sorry, 2UpFrontSoccer.com, but you can also find us in tons of places on demand, just about any place you can think of, but especially here on Spreaker. Don't forget, though, we are live every Tuesday and Thursday from 12 to 1 p.m. Central. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, it's uh, it's been a great show. Had a great call with Baxter Colburn, a fantastic interview just now with Vavil USA lead editor Chris Blakely. You can hear how well he knows this league. It's always a pleasure having him on uh, and how well he knows his Seattle Sounders. It's, it's fantastic. Now, I'm going to jump into the MLS predictions from my end here uh, in just a bit. But first, got to do a little bit of a rant. You know, when I was first on the show as a guest, it wasn't too upfront soccer then. Uh, it was a different name until Baxter and I decided to form our own LLC called Two Upfront Soccer. But nevertheless, I used to do this rant called Simon Says. If I had some theme music, I would definitely play that for you right now. Of course, I don't, so I'm not going to be able to play that for you. But, but my Simon Says, I haven't done this in about a year and a half. Portland Timbers players Liam Ridgewell and Jake Gleason. First of all, See, I'm upset about this. First of all, get pulled over and arrested for drunk driving. Totally uncool. Now, it seems that they may also be charged with reckless driving. Also totally uncool. And when I say totally uncool, I mean that is abhorrent. Ridiculous. Drinking and driving. It's, there is no excuse for it whatsoever. Especially, especially for somebody like Liam Ridgewell. Multi-millionaire. He's at a place in life where many people, that would be their dream. And Jake Gleason as well. Okay, He may not be making a million dollars. But doggone it, you're getting paid money to play a game. And there are so many kids that look up to you for this. And yeah, you can do the Charles Barkley thing where, well, I'm not a role model. This game in this country is still in a place where every time you walk on that pitch, you absolutely are a role model. You have a responsibility to your club. You have a responsibility to yourself. Most importantly, you have a responsibility to everybody out there on the road. These guys are lucky that they didn't kill anyone. What makes this even more ridiculous is, well, I give Jake Gleason a little bit of credit, right, for coming out and writing his own apology. So Jake Gleason says, I'm profoundly sorry that I let down a community that has graciously supported not only me, but my teammates as well. I take full responsibility for my behavior and will do whatever is necessary to regain the trust of the Timbers organization, the fans, and Major League Soccer. I love it that he says I take full responsibility. I was upset when Abby Wambach had the same thing uh, happen. Well, it didn't happen to her. She chose to drink and drive. Same thing. She says I take full responsibility for that. All right. There's some, there is some uh, credit to give there. Liam Ridgewell, this is what I was getting back at that makes this even more ridiculous. He doesn't send out his own apology. He has his attorney write the apology, and he has his attorney send out the release of the apology. Liam Ridgewell, that means nothing to people. It means absolutely nothing. Now, yes, Jake Gleason may have gone to uh, the PR folks over at the Timbers organization and seeked and, and sought out help on how to write his apology statement. 
But hey, at least he puts it out there with his name on there, taking full responsibility. Sean Riddle takes responsibility as the attorney for Liam Ridgewell. And he says, my client would like to apologize to the community, the Timbers organization, and his family for his recent arrest on the charge of driving under the influence. He understands that he is a role model and looks forward to earning back the trust of the community. I am sorry, Liam Ridgewell. That is not an apology. That is not an apology at all. First of all, it's not coming from you. Second of all, You're more apologizing for being arrested than you are for the action that you took. So, folks, I appreciate you allowing me this time to do this Simon Says rant. I had to get it off my chest. And if you hadn't heard about this, I think it's important that you do. Now, you know the Timbers organization. I've gotten away from talking about it too much on the show. Of course, Chris and I will go back and forth a little bit with each other. Uh, but when it comes to instances like this, now I like to highlight this club when they do this ama- when they do their am- amazing community work. But when you have players, no matter what team that are on, but especially on the team that I support so much, it's extremely disappointing. And certainly you hope that this never happens again. And you do hope that at the heart, Liam Ridgewell is sorry for what he did. But this isn't the first time he's done something stupid like this. He, he did it when he was playing in the Premier League as well. I'll let you go back and look at that. Uh, but Simon says the rant is over. I would like to move on now to my predictions. The MLS playoff predictions... Yeah, they were brought to you by Red Lion Pub in the regular season. Well, guess what? They're still brought to you by Red Lion Pub. Once again, make sure you check them out this weekend, 10 o'clock. Tottenham taking on Leicester as their featured game. You can head over to Red Lion Pub. You can also head over to Three Lions Pub. All right. MLS action. We've been talking about this, uh, the upcoming games a, a tad bit on the show. But i got to get to my predictions before we head out for the day. So we have D.C. United taking on Montreal tonight. That game is at 6.30 Central on Unimas. So you have to, uh, if you're like me and you've got uh, a certain cable network, it's actually one of the the dish plans. Got to go way to those higher channels to find Unimas. But nevertheless, D.C. United taking on Montreal. I agree with Chris. I agree with Baxter. I think DC is going to win this one. Like Seattle is a hot team, DC is also a very hot team. So I am taking DC United over Montreal. I think it's going to be another game that's uh, high scoring, maybe another 3 1 scoreline, like we saw with TFC over Philly and LA over Real Salt Lake. Seattle, you heard Chris say it. Whenever they play Sporting Kansas City, it's going to be a low scoring game. I don't want to say I'm cheating. Uh, I did go into that interview with the sense that Seattle's going to win this game. And I think that's still what's happening here. So I'm taking Seattle over Sporting Kansas City. I also think, again, it's probably going to be a 2-1 game. Maybe 2-0. I just I don't know if Sporting's actually going to get on the board for this one. Well, jumping ahead to Sunday, we do have two of the games solved. So unfortunately, I won't be able to give you the preview for the, uh, the other two games as FC Dallas and New York Red Bulls await their opponents. But uh, L.A. is taking on Colorado in L.A. That is, again, Sunday, October 30th. That game, uh, TV stations have not picked up who it is that they're, or which games they're going to show. By the way, that Seattle Sporting Kansas City game will be on FS1. Anyways, L.A. over Colorado is my pick for that one. I think L.A. is playing really well. Uh, RSL was a little vulnerable there in the back, as we talked about. Colorado's not going to be as vulnerable, so I think this is going to be a low-scoring affair. Maybe 1-0 to the LA Galaxy. TFC then takes on New York City FC. By the way, the times also have not been determined for these Sunday games. 
I tell you what, folks, I see this one being an extremely high-scoring game. It's the battle of the MVP candidates with Javinko and David Villa. Uh, this is a tough one to choose. It's in TFC, so I'm actually going to take Toronto FC for this game. I think I mean, this could easily be a 3-2, 3-3, maybe. Whew, we shall see, but uh, that's, that's who I got for my picks. As I said, FC Dallas awaiting their opponent, but they will be away. Uh, New York Red Bulls also awaiting their opponent. They will also be away. Well, my friends, we have come to the end of another two up front. Just doing so well there until I played that music at 100%. Anyways, it's been a joy. It's been a challenge being here these last three shows. I want to send out a special thanks once again to Mark Litton, who joined us last week. Did a great job with that, and I'm sure we'll have Mark back on the show. Looking forward to having Baxter Colburn back in the Attention Era Media Studios with me. He'll be jumping back on the uh, production side of things. Although, i got to say, I'm starting to feel much better about what I'm doing. Less mistakes each show. And that's what it's all about, trying to learn from your past mistakes. <coughs> Liam Ridgewolven, Jake Gleason. Nevertheless, uh, special thanks as well again to Chris Blakely, lead editor of Vavil USA, coming on today's show. I am Simon Provan. Thank you to our sponsors, ShopFootsall.com, Red Lion Pub, and Three Lions Pub. Thank you to the Attention Era Media for sponsoring this awesome studio that we now have. As I said, I'm Simon Provan. He is, oh, he's not here, but he is Baxter Colburn when he's in here. And we are, with our manager being the one above, two up front. Like the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.